In addition to dog-eared, I have a show called Health Power. Now, I've been in health media for 24 years, radio, TV, and podcasts. And I really care about not just what I put in my body, but what I put on my body. So I am absolutely in love with One Earth Body Care. Now, I extend that to my pets. I'm very careful about what I feed them, and I'm very careful about what I put on them. So I was so excited to find out that One Earth Body Care also has pet shampoo bars, which are phenomenal. They're gentle with organic oatmeal the Sioux skin, their neutral pH matches your pet skin pH, last 20 plus washes for large dogs, and they're scented with pet-friendly essential oils. They also have a skin fix for pets, organic coconut, sunflower, and jojoba oils. It has calendula, which stimulates healing. It's great for hot spots, itchy patches, and their nose and paws. It's edible ingredients, safe to lick, and it's available with lavender, oil, or unscented. So I highly recommend you go to oneearthbodycare.com, click on pets, and get these for your pets. And while you're there, you can get wonderful things for your hair, your face, and body, and more. Again, oneearthbodycare.com. Does your dog do? Well, answering this question today is a fantastic Verity Hardcastle. Just read her book, Happy Dog, Happy You, A Positive Guide to a Joyful Relationship with Your Dog. It is fantastic. Verity Hardcastle is an award-winning dog groomer, TV personality, and experienced dog handler. She is a multinational, international award-winning groomer at championship level. She shows miniature and toy poodles and has been working with dogs and around dogs all of her life. Verity, welcome to Dog Eared. And does your dog do what? So because I've got four dogs, I think they've always got this sort of competition element for my attention. So if I come in the house, they will all be racing around trying to find the nearest <laughs> object. It might be my daughter's Barbie. It might be a toy. You know, if they can grab anything, like even a dog bed. I've had the dogs like literally like, look what I've got. And they look at me so eagerly. <laughs> I love that. And when did your love of dogs begin? Oh, as long as I can remember. I was, I used to play like guess the dog breed when I'd be driving in the back of the car, you know, trying mm. to name them. I used to collect the little, they used to be called puppy in my pockets, these little figurines of all different breeds. And they used to come with, you know, like a top trumps type card. I used to study them and I was, I was obsessed and I loved going to spend time with my granddad. He obviously had a gun dog kennels. So I'd love going up and going into the woods and walking his pack of dogs and just spending time feeding them. I can still smell I don't know if you have Jay's fluids over there but I can still smell the smell of Jay's fluid which is what used to keep clean all the kennels with and I can still smell their food as well he had them in these big metal bins and it was like this meal and he used to put hot water over it and I can you know it was uh, really fond memories really so as long as I can remember I was just absolutely obsessed I'd be the girl at like friends parties who would just be in the dog bed like just chatting with you know, my friend's dogs, like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm okay over here. Thanks very much. (laughs) All right, Verity, I want to jump right into your book. Just like you, I wanted a dog so badly. And your parents wouldn't let you have a dog. So you saved up and left home at 18. Yeah. I am so impressed. I just let them send me to college. So I <laughs> I didn't get a dog till I was 33. So I just want to say that's awesome. And Dobermans were your particular dog that you love. Tell us about this. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I had this obsession with Dobermans. I mean, not exactly a beginner's dog. I do come from a family of, you know, hardworking dog people but a Doberman and and kudos to that breeder who actually was looked at me and said yeah 
Yeah, we'll let her have one of our show quality Doberman puppies. Yeah, sure. You know, she looks responsible enough because I don't know if I would actually do that with one, you know, one of my dogs. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. She, uh, she took a punt on me and obviously it paid off. I'm still friends with her now. Let's talk about in chapter one, you have choosing a dog. You tell us about the three C's. So it's calm, consistent and confident. So it's just all about how you should be as a guardian. Yeah. And you also talk about things that are so important, like you have to look at your lifestyle. Mm. Are you at home? Are you not at home? Do you have the time to dedicate? Who's living under your roof? Do you have small children? Yeah. How much experience do you have? Expand on these for us. So we saw it more than ever, I think, during the pandemic where, you know, people are at home, they're thinking, oh, what should we do? We'll get a dog. And people don't plan ahead because dogs are with us for life. And you've got to think about how our lives evolved. I mean, when I got that Doberman, I was single. Then I had, a, I got into a bit of a relationship with a the guy. Then I split up. Then I, I was back home. You know, I was always like, move back home with my mum for a bit with a, you know, a huge Doberman. And then, you know, moved out, met my husband. Now I have children. She was with me when I have had my first baby. I'm 38 now. Um, so she lived till she was 13 and a half, bless her. But oh, you can no. see how dogs go through this evolution of life with us. So it's not just a dog shouldn't be that knee jerk reaction. Oh, yeah. You know. We've got to think about how our lifestyles can change, how your career can change, and just making sure that we're equipped, you know, to equip the dog for all these chapters in our life, but also that we're equipped ourselves to obviously give this dog a home for the rest of its life, which is our duty, really, when we when we take on a dog, isn't it? You also think about, have to think about what your hobbies and your interests, your lifestyle. You know, I see all too often runners out running on a warm day with their uh, brachycephalic nose dogs, you know, the dogs with the really squished noses, boxers, pugs, things like that. And you just think, well, this isn't the right pairing. You've got that dog on looks alone. So you really have to think about your hobbies, your lifestyle, your interests. If you enjoy hill walking, get a collie. You know, if you if you enjoy being a sofa, sofa sloth, get a bulldog. You know, it's it's about equipping yourself and your dogs, you know, so you can really work together, not just choosing a dog because you kind of like the look of that dog, because there's so much more to it, as you well know, than that, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my first dog, I had no clue. He was just so cute and he had just been in an accident or he's been hit by a car and like he might need surgery. And we weren't paying rent because we were living for free at my, you know, the in-law apartment. I'm like, we're getting this. We're taking this dog. I didn't know anything. Turned out he was a pit bull border terror mix. Absolute sweetheart. Bailey. I mean, just he turned out great. But you never, we didn't plan it. Yeah. We didn't know anything. If you've got um, rabbits or cats at home, you also have to look at traits within dogs as well. Because even though you're saying, you know, you know, every dog is very different and you don't necessarily, if you go back to the collie, you might not get a collie with those collie traits. But generally, you know, you have to look at dogs to avoid. So I would say avoid like a terrier if you're going, if you've got like small animals like that, because more often than not, they have these traits within them where they see these small animals and they just can't help themselves. They just, you know, they can't. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) We had some incidences with some rabbits in our backyard mm. which did not end well no. you know it's sad well not anybody's pets but still yeah they're, they're terrier it's that inner border terrier it just you know it was in there 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now in chapter two, you have getting organized. You have a wonderful checklist for your dog. And one thing that I've gotten really serious about is food. So you have food for thought. What are you going to feed your dog? So just because I don't want to bore everybody, long story short, Blue, my pity, has a lot of allergies. So he eats squash, turkey, and peas right now um, with you know vitamins and other stuff. And it's working great for him. And then I have my dog, Benji, who's a lab, who doesn't have any sensitivities on Yum Woof, which is an air dried food that I really love. And the more I learn about kibble and seed oils and the way they cook it, the more I'm like, yeah, but what do you do if you don't have the money? Like I was just talking to a young woman recently who's like, I don't want to feed my dog kibble, but I, I can barely afford to feed myself. I'm a college student. Like, what do you say for that? If you're going to get a pre-packaged food, I would say that the most important thing is you have a look at the ingredients on the back of the food. Just make sure that the primary ingredients aren't fillers, so animal derivatives and things like that. And just make sure that the majority of the ingredients are things that you've actually heard of, things that you understand from your food cupboard. And I, I do, I'm, I'm a real firm believer of what you put in a dog, you get out of a dog. So it's the same with us. You know, if you feed them on, you know, as best and new quality nutrition as you possibly can then that is going to be the best for that dog's body and potentially harbor off illnesses and, and, and expenses down the road it's also right. much better for their minds obviously because with a higher quality diet they tend to have a much clearer mind but my most my most important takeaway point I want to say to people is a lot of these cheaper foods you have to feed the dog much higher quantities of that for them to get the nutritional value out of that food. So when I'm feeding my dog a much higher quality food, it's weird because it almost looks like poverty portions. I'm like, right, this, but that's all they need. <laughs> that's all they need. And I do, there is a real epidemic. I see it because obviously I work with dogs every day and dogs being overweight. I just feel like telling everybody, you want to save yourself 20 pound a month, please just help your dog to lose some weight because you are spending way too much money on food feeding this dog. Because, and obviously with that, you've got, you know, you're exacerbating, you know, arthritis and all sorts of medical issues down the line as well. So that would be my main, main take home. I know it's really tricky with some people, especially at the moment where money's so tight to feed their dog that high quality food but um even from puppies though we have a, a cycle a food cycle in our house so it's knowing what foods your dog can eat and what your dog can't eat so when we finish our dinner if there's any leftovers might have got children so anyone who has children at home you know they've always got dinner left on their plates if I feel that that's safe for my dogs to eat they've always had that mixed in their food they've always been like that and because they've always eaten that way and eaten such a varied diet it never upsets their stomach so it's just understanding your dog as well and understanding what they can eat what upsets them you know because you know you were saying about blue can't so you know you know your dog so I think that that's my main tips really yeah, no, that's really helpful. Now, you also have things about bringing the dog home and dog proofing your home and, you know, keeping things out of reach. Oh, my dog got in the garbage. So yet, you know, we'll get a garbage can that has a lid on yeah. it that you have to push, you know, step on to open. I mean, maybe they'll figure it out. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dopamine was really, really clever at getting in in most bins. She would even know how to pop the lid on those Brabantia bins. She'd just oh. Yeah, she was really too clever, too clever for her own good. But I call it like helping tomorrow's self. So, you know, we're always trying to alleviate stresses in our house. So, you know, it's a case of trying to help tomorrow's self by putting these things in place, tidying up wires behind TV stands and, and putting up a stair gate, especially when you've got puppies, because obviously stairs and puppies aren't a good mix anyway. So, yeah, I 
I really like dogs to have their place where they can go as well. This is why I'm really into crate training, even if they lay on your bed. That is absolutely cool. Let them lay on your bed, but we should still be crate training them. Okay, now that's interesting. Uh, before we get into crate training, so I had a, a lab Milo for a while, and he would—I don't know how he did it. He literally would open the jar of peanut butter. He not only could he jump up on the counter really high, and you, he would kind of balance and he would reach it from far back. But we would come home and he would—we do this. We'd screw it on tight. He, I don't know how he did. Houdini, <laughs> he open Houdini, it. He, yes, it was amazing. So crate training, yeah. So funny story with Bailey, our first dog. We got him at six. They they guessed he was six months. We had no idea about anything. I'd never had dogs. My husband did, but I think he forgot. So we went out for the day. We came home. All of our books had been chewed up. All of our letters, all everything. And I was so upset. And that, and then I did some research. I'm like, oh, I guess we should have a crate. Blue's going to be eight in a couple of days. Benji's nine and a half. They have dog beds. What do you do with older dogs? Do they still need crates? So I think it's about introducing them as young as possible. And there is a really positive way that you can introduce a crate. Don't think of it like a cage. Think of it like a den. I always think that people see a cage and they think, oh, you know, they're really anti that. So think of it like a den, the dog's safe space to go where they want to be left alone. It, you know, it's really important for dogs to have like their timeout space, especially if you've got, you know, party or family coming around, young children around. I think it's very safe and very sensible because dogs need their sleep. And they should be allowed to go and rest and sleep. So it's just about introducing that crate in a really positive way. So you'd start by, you obviously leave the door open pretty much all the time. Feed them in there. Start throwing treats in there. And start to reprogram their minds so they don't think of it something awful. They think of it as something really positive. So if you use lick mats or Kong toys, yes, they can have that. And they're going to have it in there. And you start with the door open. You'd maybe do the door too. And it's just very gentle, small steps. And then you can totally reprogram a dog to associate the crate with something really positive. Why I think they're so important is obviously, as I mentioned, I think it's very important dogs should have a space where they can take themselves away and have quiet time where they're not going to be bothered. I have throws and covers over mine. So they're, you know, they do look like a nice cozy den. But also, you know, if your dog's got to have an operation at some point in their lives, you, you just never know again what the future holds. So it's about having like one of my dogs has just had to have surgery on her ear. And obviously the other dogs are all mithering around her. She wants to be left alone. So I'll just close her in her den and just give her some time out away from the rest of the dogs so she can settle. And, you know, it, I do think they're really, really beneficial, to be fair. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I'm glad that your dog, how's your dog doing, by the way? Oh, she's like, it was ears? actually quite a traumatic thing. We were on a, in the park about six weeks ago and she was bitten by another dog. A dog just came out of nowhere. She's only a toy poodle. She's very sociable. She's uh, three and a half kg as well. She's tiny and got hold of the end of her ear anyway. So it's been this big palaver. She got a hematoma. Um, oh, in it, those are the worst. Oh, no, it's just it's been a she's been in and out of the vets, and obviously for such a little dog as well. She's but weirdly enough, she's out walking again. She's not it's not affected her, which is marvelous. She's back to her usual crazy giddy self. If you're on my Instagram, oh, you'll know Gigi. She's uh, yes. Uh, but what's the worst thing is obviously she's a champion show dog, so she's had to lose her coat. It's all had to come off because we had to treat the ear and right, and that takes years to grow. Yeah, Blue had a hematoma. We don't, I don't even know what from what. Mm. Maybe just bumped against something and it got huge. And now he has that shriveled up cauliflower ear. Yeah. He still looks cute though, but he's not a show dog. 
it doesn't matter. No, I'm not. I, you know, it's she's already made up. She's a champion, so it's you know, it's 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 not fine. It's just obviously her hair's a thing, you know. So it was like. I was sad for her and then obviously chopping a long locks off it was like I'm so sorry Gigi this is really really demoralizing for you right now so but she's a puppet she's she's living her best life oh good well speaking of hair Mm. you are a groomer and you have a great chapter chapter 10 grooming marvelous and I love that you talk about the washing myth and back in the day you talk about people washing their dogs with dish soap and that's not good. And even regular shampoo, which I didn't know until a few years ago, my daughter was like, mom, you just washed Benji with with shampoo. I'm like, it was the problem. You can't do that. It's a special pH. I found these great bars uh, made by a company called One Earth Body Care and they're fabulous. They make themselves very few ingredients. They have the right pH for dogs. And I wash Benji and he looks and smells amazing. And it really makes a difference. But I don't get either of my dogs groomed. My lab sheds tremendously. So I brush him a lot myself. And then Blue just has short hair and I just wash him. What dogs need to be groomed? I, I mean, can I groom my lab? I mean, I get Labradors. Yeah, I get Labradors in for a bath. Um, because a lot of people, when they're going through that seasonal change, just like to get the worst, you know, the groomers can come and do a real de-shedding treatment and just get the worst of it off. They can? Yeah, yeah. We just oh obviously, yeah. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I'm vacuuming three times a day, Verity. I didn't know. There's a deep, there's a shedding type of treatment. Yeah, or what, you can what? basically we use high velocity dryers just to remove all the loose hair, and then we use different types of brushes that help to remove the loose hair as well. So that obviously you're never going to eliminate the de-shedding, but it just means that you'll be maybe vacuuming once every other day rather than three times a day. <laughs> and then obviously it's really important that we just keep a check on our dog's nails um, because when the dog's stood on the ground and they've got the paw on the ground, the nails shouldn't be touching the ground. So if you as long as you can get, say, a credit card under the nails, they're fine. But if those nails are touching the ground, then that's going to be putting pressure on their toes. And then obviously they can't really walk as they would naturally want to walk. So this is why road walking is really great, especially if you've got dogs like that, just mixing up your terrains for the dogs just to help wear down their nails as well. Yeah, I can cut Benji's nails, my labs, because his quicks, they're, they're short, I guess. Right. Could, there's a lot of nail. Blues, I can't do myself. So I have to take them to get them done. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because I'm definitely overdue. I notice with blue, it's everything's like click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, that, that's not really good for them. What do you like most about grooming? I think it's the immediate gratification of having a dog come in that's, you know, looking like they've lived in a skip and uh, <laughs> giving them some really nice shampoos, conditioner, trimming up the hair. And then obviously, and then obviously seeing their guardian's eyes like, oh, you know, my baby, it's just, it's just nice. It's just immediate gratification. Obviously I like working with dogs, you know, what yeah. better job, you know, I get to spend my, I'm like a hairdresser, but I don't have to do the holiday chat. I could just talk to dogs. I mean, what's not to love? Like, don't get me wrong. It is quite hard work. It's, it is a physically tiring job. It's quite mentally tiring as well because obviously we're constantly reading body language I suppose half of what we do as groomers is handling and uh, you know adopting our handling to the dog that we've got in front of us because obviously some dogs are very nervous some dogs are very confident some dogs are a little bit feisty a little bit spicy and some dogs are really relaxed and we get elderly dogs puppies you know no two dogs are ever the same ever and no two haircuts are the same so it's very varied I love it 
When did you first start grooming? So I started when I was about 19 years old, 1920. So I've been doing it a long time now. Um, I'm a master groomer. I'm on the Guild of Master Groomers. And thank you. And I used to compete and now I'm a judge and obviously I show dogs as well. So, and obviously showing poodles, I'm sure you've all seen the photos of them at Westminster and Crufts, you know, they got a lot of hair. There's a lot of maintenance going on there as well. The hair is kind of their thing, but uh, but they're proper dogs, FYI. Can I just say poodles are proper, proper dogs. They like long walks, (laughs) swimming, all the rest of it. It's not just the hair. but uh, I love that you say that. That's so funny because you picture them just like even the way they're portrayed in cartoons. Mm-hmm. So like kids get kind of socialized, like they're just like little mm-hmm. fifi dogs mm-hmm. that don't really want to get dirty or play mm-hmm. or do anything. And they're prissy, but, you know. It's true. Yeah, right? Pitties, dobies, rotties, always the aggressive, nasty dogs, aren't they, that no one wants to be friends with. And poodles are Terrible. always like the snooty dog. It's so true. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I can as I do. I won't go on about Blue, but boy, he's just a big smush. Mm. He is. You just cover so much, and you talk about the importance of being mindful. The mindfulness practices you write can be broken down broadly into several categories, including this is a quote: mindful breathing, mindful observation, mindful appreciation, and mindful awareness. Talk to us about these and how they help you be a better dog parent. Yeah. So just skipping back ever so slightly. I think that it's really important that we understand how our energy and how we live our lives has a direct correlation on our dogs as well. We see a lot of mirroring of behavior. You know, see that that frantic woman's trying to frantically get a dog back across the field and a dog's crazy and she's crazy. It's, you know, and the energy's all like, woo. It's just really important that we understand how much dogs pick up on our energy and how much they are aware of like stress cues have you noticed sorry have anybody who's listening next time you're feeling a little bit stressed notice how you ever so slightly flare your nostrils so yeah it's one of these micro cues that we don't even necessarily realize that we're doing but dogs are so in tune with because for us reading their behavior is part of what they do they're problem solvers so they're trying to read and understand us you know because most of the time we just sound like we're talking gobbledygook so they're listening to tone of voice pitch of voice these micro cues in our face and everything like that. So it's really important that not only for ourselves and our well-being, but also for our dogs that we try and start to practice some of these things in our everyday lives. Because let's face it, life's very fast-paced now. It's very stressful. And I think now more than ever, we should all be trying to implement these measures in which we can all just, you know, center and ground ourselves a little bit more. Yeah, it's so true. Do you have any recommendations for how to start for people who just feel like I don't even have time to breathe? Yeah, it's like, exactly. well, that's part of the problem. That's part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably not breathing right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In for three, out for five. <laughs> Lower the heart rate. So yeah, mindful breathing basically is focusing on your breath. And it helps to alleviate stress. So you can do this with your dog as well. If you're laid up on the sofa, just take a minute. You might just want to put some relaxing music on because music has transformative effects as well. You imagine how you feel when like dance music's on or heavy metal and then just play some like folk music or, you know, even like Zen spa sort of, you know, yeah. listen to the whales, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you'll immediately feel loads better. So breathing in for three, out for five, focusing on your breath. Then we have mindful observation, which is taking in nature. So next time you're on a walk, just try sit down a while. It's not just like, oh my goodness, got to get home, got to start dinner. 
just sit down on your walk, let your dog be a dog, go around and sniffing because that's just so good for the dog anyway. And just take in nature. So mindful observation is like looking at the clouds as if you've never seen them before, looking at a flower and just observing how beautiful it is and just listening. What can you hear? Name all the things you can hear. Name the different things you can smell. So it's just taking a moment just to take that quiet in your life. And then we have mindful appreciation. This is something that I absolutely love. This is about gratitude, being grateful. I practice this every morning, every night, every single day. And I have beside my bed a gratitude stone. So it's just a stone that I picked up on a walk that sort of looks kind of nice. You know, if that doesn't yeah. sound too strange for people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I totally get yeah, it. I have that on my bedside table. And at the end of the day, I pick it up and it reminds me because I look at it and it reminds me to think about all the lovely things I did that day and pick my favorite. So I'm going through my day. Oh, you know, oh, that was so lovely. Like, last we had lovely weather in England yesterday believe it or not we do sometimes have lovely weather so we had a water fight in the garden which was really fun I've got a three and a five year old so we were playing in the garden with the dogs like throwing water balloons it was just crazy so it's just going back through your day thinking about all these joyous things there might be something that wasn't so good you're like skip over that onto something else good and then in the morning, I always write down in my phone really quick, just takes me two minutes, 10 things that I'm grateful for that day. And even when you're having a really, really bad day, there's always something you can be grateful for. You've got food in your fridge. You know, you've got to be grateful for that. You know, you you slept in a warm bed. You know, there's always something that somebody can find that they're grateful for, their friends, their family, how loved they are by their partner. So I'll just 10 different things every day. It doesn't take me long. And I just say thank you afterwards for each one of those and um yeah and also you know if you're having a particularly bad day it's amazing what just putting it I mean you might feel like an absolute you know crazy person but just put a smile on your face fake it fake it just put a smile and it tricks your brain into releasing serotonin and dopamine that make you actually feel better so yeah yeah so it's just you know even if you're feeling really bad just fake it till you make it basically and my last one is mindful awareness. So this is basically focusing on your emotional state, how you're feeling, because we all need to be aware more than ever of, you know, how we're feeling as well, especially when we have stressful jobs and busy lives. It's taking that moment to think about how we're feeling in a situation, what our triggers are, but also our animals as well. Have a look at your animals, you know, how are they feeling right now, you know, focus on their body language and just being aware of that as well. And then, and then, you know, doubling back. Why did I feel like that? What was my trigger for feeling like that? Just, um, yeah. It's such great advice. Once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog Benji Yumwoof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. 
Yum Wolf obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Wolf. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Wolf. Go to www.yumwolf.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com? Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. Now, I want to jump into some common issues. You write in the book, quote, the most common problems I tend to see are separation anxiety, pulling on a lead, running off, and barking. So let's talk a little bit about each one of these. Uh, tell us, let's start with separation anxiety. And I again, I want people to get the book. Again, the book is fabulous. Happy dog, happy you. But just give us, just you know, tell us a little bit. So separation anxiety is probably the number one issue we probably see with our dogs. I don't know if you agree with that over in America, but in the UK especially. And again, you know, I hate to keep reminding people about the awful phase of our lives that was the pandemic. We were all at home. You know, everybody was at home. Everyone was sort of around the house. The dogs were brought up in that environment. They suddenly were gone. It's a very stressful way for a dog to be. So I do think it's very important that we're looking at these cues about why our dogs are behaving in this way. Because, um, it, I, I mean, there's there's levels of stress. Some dogs kind of keep their stress in a little bit more and some are very obvious they'll chewed up your sofas your cushions you know there's very mm. obvious signs so if you're not sure about how your dog is when you're out you can get off online amazon etc a very inexpensive mobile uh, camera device for your home so that you can watch your dog when you're out and you can have mm. a look are they settled in their bed do they look really relaxed or like micro cues that they might do which you might not notice pacing around looking distressed or just standing looking at doors you know that's not such obvious signs then you also get the excessive barking the scratching and then the very obvious signs that they're distressed in the home now we have to be aware that something like this needs to be tackled by a behaviorist so it's not really something for a trainer the trainer teaches your dog basic obedience things like that whereas when it's anything to do with the mind 
like uh, separation anxiety, it needs to be really tackled by a behaviourist. And the sooner the better, because it's a pretty awful way for your dog to exist if they're feeling like that, because we're, we are in and out quite a lot, aren't we? Um, oh, yeah. So we've got to go back and find out what is that point when the dog starts to feel like that? Is it, do they notice the cues? Because we normally always have a routine, don't we? When we're going out, we pick up our bag, we pick up our keys, we put on our shoes. And then we need to have a look at when the dog's starting to get stressed and anxious. And basically, right. just short form, you need to rewind back and capture those moments and try and obviously reprogram their brain to associate it with not something negative, but something positive. But it takes an awful lot of time, a lot of patience. It's a lot easier to equip our dogs to feel safe, confident and secure by themselves in the early days than it is to rewind back and fix something that's instilled in them like this. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a behaviorist until I read your book. I I just thought the trainer had that in their toolbox. Yeah. Would you just look up dog behaviorist? So there's different things. Yeah, so dog trainers and dog behaviorists basically a behaviorist is a much more specialist trainer they've normally done a degree in canine behavior the you know the mind of the dog etc so they're like a psychologist for a dog so they're a lot more qualified and in the uk here i don't know what your bodies are over there but i always recommend the imdt which is the institute of modern dog trainers they always uh, go down the positive route always positive reinforcement positive training um, which obviously I highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. You have that in the book as well. Another issue that's common is pulling on a lead. I have to say my dog, Bailey, I tried, I feel like I tried everything. He just pulled. Yeah. Oh, it's so stressful, isn't it? When you're just wanting to have a nice walk and you feel like oh, your shoulder's going to be dislocated out of its socket, isn't it? <laughs> right. And the dog's like, <sighs> I mean, the noises that Bailey would make were horrible. <laughs> Literal choking sounds. And he was a maniac on the leash. It was So insane. when you go out, because obviously his dog still needs a walk, doesn't it? So you have two leads. Yes. So you have your training lead. Dogs aren't stupid. They'll know the difference. You just general walking lead and then take your training lead, your bum bag, clicker, however you like to train your dog, because we only want to be doing short bursts of training. You know, the dog still needs a walk. And then so you put your training lead on. That's training time five minutes, 10 minutes, and then take it off and put your normal lead on. And then, yeah, the might pull. And so basically, old school methods of training were very much like check your dog, choke chain, you know, check it to the side, you know, to correct the behavior. Yes, you'll probably see results with that, probably a lot quicker than you will with positive training. But, you, you know, is that the right way we should be training our dog? You know, you're not getting them to solve a problem. They're just thinking, oh, my gosh, if I pull something really horrible happens to me, you know, so and and also looking at you thinking, oh gosh, you know, why is mum doing that? That's absolutely awful. Aww. You've got to think of it like if you were at school and you were learning to read, for instance, uh, learning to write, and you kept spelling a word wrong, and your teacher came over and was encouraging you. Yes, that would be lovely, and you're trying to take it, and you'd have a really positive association, and you would get there. But if your teacher kept com- coming over and smacking your knuckles, oh my gosh, you would, you know you'd probably spell it correctly, but you would hate going to school. And you certainly wouldn't look at your teacher with any sort of, you know, admiration or, or respect, would you? So no, what I always that's like, a good analogy. Yeah, it's really important to remember that, though, when, you know, when you see people yanking the dogs around and things like that, that, you know, they must be thinking, gosh, you know, we're meant to be having this positive mutual respect for each other. And they're like, oh, you're just breaking it. You know, this is exactly yeah. Now, what do you recommend then? Because I see dogs with the, some people say, oh, you should use a harness, you should use a 
uh, slip, what is it called? The, a slip lead. Uh, yeah, harnesses are great. Uh, even a, a, a normal collar and lead. But what we want to be doing is basically, first thing I teach my dogs is to look at me. So I'll stand with my dogs in front of me. High high reward, so cheese, ham, whatever, the favourite, like little tiny morsels as well, though we don't want to be feeding them a whole meal, just tiniest morsels. And then you can put it up to the eye and I first teach my dogs to look at me. And so I've got that focus with them. And that's a really good way also for distracting dogs when you're out and about, if they're a reactive dog, to keep their focus on you all the time and not be focusing over what's going on in the field over in the corner. So first of all, we need to get them focused on us. And so by, you know, if they're not food motivated, their favorite toy that only comes out at training times, or if they work for love and praise, and that's wonderful. But I find, you know, Meat is the way forward, especially cooked liver. My dogs go bananas for cooked liver. And then I have my treat pouch as well on one side. I have my lead crossing over me in front of me. And so once I've got the dogs focused, we're literally raining ham down from the sky as we walk and praising them. In short form, we've got to keep doing that. It's like feed, step, feed, step, feed, step. And then slowly we can increase the duration that we're feeding our dogs in between, obviously, when we're trying to get the dogs to heal. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a lot. Again, you're not going to achieve it on one or two walks. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of patience. That's why it's always handy just to take your training lead and your pouch out and just do five minutes on every walk so you can get your dog to heal. And then once they're stepping where you want them to, we can introduce the word heal and then praise, praise for that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump to barking Mm. because we have huge windows upstairs in our living room, which is fabulous. But we also live in a woodsy area. So there's squirrels and deer sometimes. And the dogs go nuts. Mm. I know not to yell because that just makes it worse. Well, you just sound like you're barking too, don't you? Yes, exactly. But then I just don't know what to do. Well, I do now. I read your book. But tell us what to do. So distraction. It's just all all about distracting them. Dogs will bark. We have to assume that there's going to be elements of barking if you've got a dog, you know. And you've got to think about from a dog's point of view as well. If they're barking when the doorbell goes... The majority of the time my doorbell goes, it's um, a delivery person, you know. So you've got to think the doorbell goes, knock, knock, knock. Here's a parcel for you. Dogs go. And the guy's like, okay, thank you so much. And then off he goes. The dog's thinking, great, wonderful. That worked. Excellent. I'll do that again next time. Because that's what's happening more often than not. And this is really instilling this behavior in our dogs that, you know, to guard bark, you know, and then the, the person goes away. So this is this is a problem, obviously, that we have in our houses. So what we want to do is try and distract our dogs. And we can do this by intercepting a doorbell, getting a friend to help you. And, you know, again, finding that moment where the doorbell goes, you know, squirrels, it's trickier because I'm going to I'm not going to lie. My dogs go bananas when they see a squirrel in the garden. Absolute pure rage. Um, and uh, and so being honest, you know, because we're not all perfect and we don't all have perfect dogs. They are their own individual personalities. I've not quite got a grip on the, the not going berserk for the squirrel yet because that's just... But I have on the doorbell. So the doorbell goes, obviously, I'll get the door. But what I don't want the do- when I've said, OK, OK, I've got it. I don't want my dogs to carry on and carry on and carry on for five, ten minutes. So I'll obviously have to do lots of practicing when there's somebody actually not at the door. Otherwise, you know, the person will probably assume nobody's in. Stand in front of my dogs, distract them. I normally get some treats and scatter them on the floor or I'll put a lick mat down, trying to distract them away from the behavior and then praise them for that. 
rather than obviously allowing them to bark. I used to actually do with my Doberman, I taught her how to bark on cue, but I'd also be able to tell her to quiet on cue. So that was actually really quite helpful with her because, yeah, what my eldest poodle can do it as well. I seem to have run out of oh. time in my life to train my other dogs to do that with having such small children. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, they were very good, obviously, because she can speak, speak, speak. But being able to teach her to speak and then be quiet, really, I found that very helpful because she used to do that in her general obedience training, that she would bark, obviously, and then I would be able to teach her to be quiet and then obviously be able to reward for that and then good girl and then, yeah. And it also, it's really good also to have a bed area that they have in the kitchen and teach them to settle. So, okay, I've got the door. Now I just want you to go. Yeah, I've heard you let's just go settle and then you can get a Kong or something and go put it on the door and obviously teach them to go settle on the door through repetition and practice because everything is just repetition things like this again reiterating that nothing's going to be a one-time fix situation it's going to take consistency and repetition and then obviously before long it will become a, a learned behavior that this is what they do they'll probably bark 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 and then go and sit in the bed and look at you for a treat that's you know that's what should happen over time yeah yeah I got to do that. I can't believe I'm confessing this. Uh, I'm like the worst. So, oh, no, I confess that my dogs are a little bit asshole, so go ahead. Well, okay. So the, my dogs love everybody and they get so excited to see anyone who comes to the door. So let's say there's a repair guy coming. I'll open the dogs are barking. I'll open the door and go, do you, are you okay with dogs? Mine are friendly. And they'll, he'll go, okay. So I open the door and the dog's you know, kiss them. And then they just, that's it. They just go back and do their thing. But then I'm teaching them. They can say, hi, what's going to happen. No one's ever said, no, I don't like dogs, but that's going to happen. Yeah, no, That's absolutely fine. I mean, it's your house, your rules. You do you. This just because, you know, something that I do in my house generally doesn't mean that that's why I've had to instill it a lot with my, because I've got four dogs. It's a lot. My children have little friends and cousins and lots of little people coming in and out of my house. You see a lot. And even though my dogs are very friendly, they jump up because I allow them to jump up. I'm more than happy with my dogs jumping up. That's a rule in my house. I'm absolutely fine because they're so small. But they're tiny, yes, right? Exactly. It's like, how are they going to greet me? <laughs> like if they have to stand on their, on their little four paws when they're about five centimeters high. So I, that's a rule with me. My Doberman, I did teach her not to jump up, but yeah, absolutely. I allow that. So that's my rule. But obviously when little people come around, it's quite a lot. It's quite hectic because like your dogs, my dogs are very, very happy and eager to say hi to everybody. So, uh, yes. so what I tend to do is I'll put them in the kitchen or I'll put them in the utility when I go and answer the door. And so that's just something that I've always done because that works for my household. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do that for your household. Your dog, your well, rules, you know, whatever works for you. True. Yeah, that's true. Well, it, it has made it easier because then it's like and then they like to see the people and neither one of them jump. And in the book, you do have dog etiquette. You have etiquette around yeah. food. You've yeah. got jumping, snatching food, begging at the table. I so funny. I remember it's <laughs> like 23 years ago. We were at a friend's house and they had a black lab and our chocolate lab. And it happened so fast. It was a huge block of brie on the table. I mean, huge. Yeah. This dog jumped up and in one gulp, the whole thing was gone. <laughs> Well, actually, it happened just tonight with my old girl. She's 13 and a half. She stole, yeah, my my son had a little ice ice cream in his hand. And she's like a, I, I say that she's a poodle in a Labrador's coat because she is eternally hungry. 
<laughs> and uh, and she did. She she's she's not really done this in years. She jumped up and snatched the ice cream straight out of the three year old's hand, and obviously in she crying, <laughs> you know, mommy, oh, Lily stole no. my ice cream. <laughs> you know, and that's my husband trying to because obviously it was cho- it was one of those magnums that's covered in chocolate. So he's there like running around, getting trying to get it off it. So you know, our house is equally chaotic. Um, but but the begging at the table, yeah, my Dobie used to sit there and she'd have literal shoelaces hanging out of her mouth just watching oh. us eat. And it's just you just look <laughs> over her and be like, This this is very off putting at our dinner. <laughs> and I have actually come down when the kids have left the table because they've left their meals, you know. And just, you know, it's, it's it's chaotic at night time. Just want to get them up for a bath. And, you know, we've just oh, left yeah. their plates on the table. Come down and that same 13-year-old Labrador, not Labrador poodle, is stood. Bonaman, she's got arthritis. She's on U-Move, uh, glucosamine. And she can't even jump up on the sofa anymore. She's on the middle of the dining room table. It's amazing. It's amazing it's what, quite, they, quite miraculous. what they can do for food. Now, you have done television. You've been a judge. What was that experience? Tell us a little bit about that, what you did and what that experience was like. I mean, the production I did with BBC One, which is our number one, Channel One in the UK, was pretty nuts. Like, I, I don't think any of us knew when we went into start the program how big a production it was and this is even coming out of lockdown one as well so we were one of the first shows to go into production so this is with quite a reduced number of people because of covid it was crazy i never when you watch programs like that you do not realize the amount of work and the amount of people you know we see these reams of people that come up after the end of a show you know who was involved (gasps) You know, they're all that is absolutely crazy. So, but what an experience. Everyone was just such a delight. And I think we were all joined together with this mutual admiration for dogs. It really was a celebration of dogs. So, and I mean, you know what it's like when dog people get together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So totally. It was basically awesome. like that for one whole month. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the name of the show. It was called Pooch Perfect. Oh, it's so cute. It's actually being rerun in England on BBC Two at the moment on a Saturday morning at 10am. So if anyone's in the UK, you can watch it and probably catch it up on BBC iPlayer as well. Can we watch it here in America? If you have a VPN, I reckon you could. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got to I gotta find, find that it, yeah. for sure. Verity, there is so much in the book that we didn't get to. It is really, really great. And you have such a great personality. It is Happy Dog, Happy You, a positive guide to a joyful relationship with your dog. Now, tell us always we can find you, but also is there anything that you you want to add that we didn't get to today? And I hope you'll come back because we, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, brilliant. And and like you're saying, we've got so much more to discuss because the book very much is a manual for your whole dog's life from getting a puppy, choosing a dog, making the right steps, all the way through to old age and obviously how caring for your dog is different during old age and, and, and the sort of changes we can make around our home dietary requirements and also one thing that's not discussed a lot is obviously the grieving process and you know and what it's like at the end of a dog's life which I think we should all try and prepare ourselves for because it's very hard and you know and it is tough it's really tough on us and obviously the other pets in our house as well but it you know that's that's so I'll try and end on a positive note um it really is a dog (laughs) care journal for your whole life with your dog 
and say it's like a self sort of a helpful guide for you as well as your dog and how we can mutually benefit each other in this world you know how dogs help us so much and how we can help them so much so that that's my main takeaways I think it's like a book probably like no other you've written before uh, yeah like it's read fabulous before. thank you yeah thank I you. really really and and I, I can keep going back to it which is so great yeah and know? I've tried like, to make oh, it what did she say yeah and yeah <laughs> I've tried to make it really easy reading Lisa you probably hear my personality when I you know yes when I but when you read it it's full of like little tales and I've very much written it like I speak so, you know, yes. I hope you don't dislike that too much. Otherwise. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? That's what makes it so great. Um, no, it's really fun. Yeah, and it's not too in-depth. I know a lot of the dog manuals I've got, they're a bit like, you know, I'm going cross-eyed reading them sometimes. Like, you're losing me with these big words and, you know, oh my goodness, and this science and, you know. So it's very much a book for everybody. Yeah, it really is. And how do we find you, Verity, and all your great work? Oh, thank you. Um so I'm on Instagram at Verity Hardcastle, TikTok at Verity Hardcastle, and the same on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, which is Verity Hardcastle as well. So I'd absolutely love it if you gave me a follow. And you can buy the book. Um, I think you can buy it on Amazon. Obviously, in the UK, you can get it from WH Smith. Just give it a Google. There's loads of different places you can buy it from. Oh, that's great. Well, this was super fun. I, I really enjoyed having you on. I hope you'll come back. You're always welcome here. I say my doggy door is always open. <laughs> I, I don't really that. have a doggy door, so <laughs> I want to get it. That's a whole nother conversation I need. Is it good to have a doggy door? Before you go, what do you think about doggy doors? So I think obviously there's a safety aspect with the size of your dogs. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So I used to, I've always had cats as well. So my last cat died about a year and a half ago oh, and we got rid of the cat flaps and I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely delighted the cat flaps are gone because again, it's my old dog, Lily. She's so mischievous. She used to be able to punch away through any cat flap. She's a miniature poodle. So she's slightly bigger than Gigi, my toy poodle. Uh, she'd be able to get out of any cat flap. And so it just became a bit of a nightmare having the cat flaps because all my poodles could fit through them but like you were saying they'd be in and out you know be there at one in the morning what's that noise I'm sure I can hear a dog and Lily has broken <laughs> out and she, like you were saying she'd be stood in the garden I have to be super careful as well because we've got fox uh, litter of foxes next door in next door's garden but obviously I'm quite terrified because my my small dogs are like small snacks and I'm not quite sure whether yes. yeah Oh my God. Yeah. The other day I was walking the dogs and there was this field where I let them sniff or I take them off leash and cause they're good. They come and called and stuff. But Blue saw a coyote. Oh, really? He went <gasps> after it. And I was terrified. Yeah, because they do take dogs, don't they? Yeah. But I mean, Blue's thick, but he's not a, even though he's, you know, people think pits are like you said, great. no, he's a big baby. He'll just, but still he was just like, Ooh, what's that? And he just run. All that, like five to 10 minutes, I was just terrified that he was getting eaten by a coyote. But we have, I, we see him walking down yeah, the street. Dude. It's crazy. crazy. And foxes too. Yeah. Not at least a few times a year. Yeah. So yeah. Well, we get a lot of foxes in England. It's, you know, urban foxes, especially since they were building on all our countryside, you know, they have to coexist with us, don't they? So yeah, next door right. neighbors under their shed, there's a litter of fox babies. 
and they come out to play at about 10 o'clock every night so we just have to make sure that my dogs aren't out in the garden then but we'll say you know rather than the doggy door I've got doggy doorbells and they're like sleigh bells on a long rope which I've tied to my utility door and my I've taught my dogs just to knock them when they want to go out so I can just be busy cooking in the kitchen and now I know one of them wants to go out because they'll go and knock the doorbells and then they'll turn around and look at me like can we can we go outside you know (laughs) yeah which is just fabulous because you know they can let me know now when they want to go outside so I'm just like a personal door minder now for for everyone in my house just opening and closing doors all day long (laughs) (laughs) I know when the weather's super hot blue is loves the sun but only for like 10 minutes at a time so the entire day it'll be like 10 minutes in 10 minutes out 10 minutes in it's like oh my goodness anyway see Verity you have to come back because we'll just keep on chatting but everybody keep coming back to dog eared rate review subscribe and be sure to check out yum wolf and one earth body care is another new sponsor because not only do they have great body care for your dog salves and stuff for their paws and the wonderful dog shampoo but they also have great stuff for people as well and uh, i'm loving it so and everybody also listen to health power and just keep coming back thanks so much